With the 14th pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the Boston Celtics select Romeo Langford, Grant Williams, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, Vincent Poirier, Javante Green, Robert Williams III, Jimmy Ogilvy, right, Brad Wanamaker, Daniel Tice, Dennis Cantor, Taco Fall, Marcus Smart, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, from the University of Connecticut. are back with another episode of from the rafters uh sam and i are here with another great guest we have max letterman from nbc sports boston how you doing today max i'm doing great guys how about you we got some playoff basketball oh yeah i'm more than excited this is the most fun i've had in a long time like (laughs) it's getting to the point where like usually when the playoffs are on like i'm I'm nervous for the game but now i'm just getting excited for the games you know what i mean like this is not a nervous time no there's literally nothing you need to be nervous about (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh man so since the last time you've been on the show max we've kind of changed things up so instead of getting right into it we're gonna ask you just a quick question just to you know lighten things up a little bit so max are you a netflix guy do you watch netflix at all i do i do watch netflix so i want to know what is your favorite netflix show of all time or just the one you're liking right now oh man of all time i'd have to really think uh so um uh, me and my daughters are watching uh airbender which is pretty yep. good uh, I'm really liking that. I, I that was a, a an era of Nickelodeon that uh, I just missed. I didn't have cable when I was younger, um, and by the time that show came out, I was you know I was uh, too old to be watching cartoons. Even though it's you know it's got some adult themes and yeah, it's fun. I like it. But uh, I also just watched Umbrella Academy, which I really liked. I I was like really bored, and after one of the late uh, basketball games. And I just I couldn't fall asleep, so I was like, "Let me just see what what's on." And it was Netflix did a good job of promoting it. It was the first thing I saw on my screen, and and I was like, yeah. "I'll give it a shot." And I really liked it. I recommend it. Umbrella Academy. Yeah, I've seen the first season. I need to get caught up though because I have not watched season two yet. But season one was awesome. I loved what I saw. So yeah, season two is good as well. Right. Uh, Mac, I mean Sam, what's your favorite uh, Netflix show? If you're a Netflix guy, there's like a couple. Uh, I really like Dexter. Okay, yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen Dexter. Yes, Dexter's yes. really good. Um, what else? I mean, I like I like shows that aren't on Netflix. Like uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm is probably my favorite show. Yeah, it's hilarious. So um, that that's probably my two answers. I'm also watching you. Atlanta right now, which is pretty funny, but that's on Hulu. Okay, yeah. So I give you the three streaming services. <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm a big Criminal Minds guy myself. I'd have to say that's my favorite of all time. Uh, during quarantine, I watched Outer Banks. I fell into the hype. It was pretty good, though, so can't complain there. But, yeah. Uh, Can overall. I give you guys a quick uh, company pitch here? Check out Peacock. Um, really? Saved by the Bell is free <laughs> on Peacock. You don't have to pay uh, uh, for everything. So, like, it's like a tiered service. So, like, there's stuff that's available to anyone. You just got to sign up. Uh, you can do it if you still have cable through your cable box, which is what I did. Um, and then you uh, you can watch Saved by the Bell. Which I don't know. Uh, you guys are definitely way too young to have watched it, but it was <laughs> incredibly important in my like. I was way too young to be watching that show when it was on, but you know, I mean, it was a kid. It was it's a fine show, but like it really, it really kind of uh, molded me into a, a Zach Morris wannabe, where I was you know I was always trying to scheme in school and get away with it, and yeah, yeah, I pretty much did. It was you know all harmless stuff, but it's a great, great, great <laughs> show. You should watch it. I've seen ads for Peacock everywhere. I've been considering it, but maybe maybe I'll have to pull the trigger now that you say that. It's all over YouTube, and they're doing a lot a lot of advertising for it. So, uh, we'll yeah, put we it always in our see it during games. Game show. Yep. Yeah, Scout does a read during the show, and I I put it in our uh, pregame show uh, every 
every show. So it's working. Yeah, I yeah, know for sure. It's everywhere. I've definitely seen it. Maybe you'll have to invest now. But uh, uh, Sam figured, uh, and I agreed, that you'd be a great guest to have on considering the current series. Because, uh, Max, you grew up a Sixers fan, right? And you still are? Yeah. 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 Okay. Unfortunately. So, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't so my, a choice. Yeah. My first question to you today is, are the Sixers done? Is this over? Yeah. I mean, look, would I be surprised if they won one game? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'd still probably be pretty surprised. <laughs> but, I, you know, I could see it happening. I would think maybe it would happen, have to happen today if the Celtics kind of, you know, were reading the press clippings and the Sixers just try to, you know, play the underdog role. But the problem is just the Celtics are better. Um, and I would have picked the the Celtics to win the series, if, even if Ben Simmons was healthy. But as soon as he got hurt, I think we all were just like, yeah, uh, the Sixers don't have a chance. And unfortunately, I think for uh, Philly fans is that the Sixers uh, also took that mentality. Like, we don't have a chance. And, you know, I give Embiid a ton of credit. He's, you know, he's playing his ass off. And uh, it's just not enough. And you can see uh, when – you know, and I kind of had this theory going into the series, like unless they got a game or two early, they would just kind of throw in the towel. And that's kind of how the games have gone too, where they, you know, they've started out okay, but then as soon as like it's a double digit deficit or, you know, the Celtics start to really play well, the Sixers kind of just give up. Uh, and, you know, I can't really blame them for it because at the end of the day, it's like in the grand scheme of things, they can't in their souls believe that they have a chance to win a championship this year. So when you're, you know, doing the best you can playing great defense and, you know, your opponent's still, you know, Jason Tatum's just still doing absurdly disgusting things with the ball and shooting and making great shots. It's deflating. It's like a Tim Thomas save. It really is. Some of uh, Tatum's uh, sidestep threes, or like Tim Thomas just demoralizing the opponent with an absurd uh, save. And uh, I think the Sixers just, they just don't have enough fight. And, you know, I'm not trying, I'm not really even being critical about that. I think it's just, you know, I don't blame them. Yeah. Now you it, mentioned that they, they feel like they can't win a championship. Couldn't you say the same thing about the Celtics? So two years ago when they went on that, uh, um, they almost made it to the finals. Like what do yeah, you, but, why do you think there's difference in mentality there? Uh, the Celtics were young and young and dumb. They didn't know what they didn't know. And they were just, and they were playing well and they were beating teams and they won. And, and they lucked out by catching the bucks when Giannis was not ready to be a, uh, to impact winning. He was starting to ascend into the great player that he is, but he wasn't impacting winning yet. Um, and the team wasn't built perfectly yet and they weren't coached by Bud yet. Uh, and then, you know, and still that was a seven game series, uh, and Brad really, I think, grew that series as well. And then they got Philly, which I I got crushed because I was like, man, it's a shame that the Celtics run's going to end because, you know, Philly's just, you know, I watched, you know, every single Celtics game and, you know, probably 30 or 40 Sixers games that year. And I was like, there's just no way that the Celtics can beat them without Kyrie and, and Hayward. And I was so wrong, but... uh it was also like oh, like I know Dario Saric at that in that series gave them a, a like a weird quote at the end where he's like you know if we didn't go down three uh, one this would have been a series and everyone was like yeah duh but I understand what he meant like there were like moments in each game where it really did like kind of tilt the entire series where if it just went the other way it would have been a lot tighter but you know I blame coaching a lot for that and JJ Redick made some really uncharacteristic boneheaded uh, turnovers. I can't remember which game it was. I think it was game three or two, but um, it, you know, they lucked out uh, a little bit in that regard where they had a, the Sixers in their first uh, go at it in the playoffs with that core and Brett Brown's a terrible coach. Uh, and then, you know, the Cavs were just doing their thing where they were just kind of coasting to the finals. Like they did every year uh, with LeBron back and, um, you know, I still can't believe the Celtics lost that game seven at home. But uh, me neither. Yeah, you know, I just think the difference is they didn't. They they had a, a easier path. They didn't have a team like the Celtics in the first round, but they also uh, were just young and naive, and and clearly had two great, great, great players that were just one was a rookie, and one was a second year guy, Jalen and Jason, who had that that core DNA of just elite playoff performers, and they've. Uh, really shown it in these last couple seasons. 
Yeah, I think a big thing, You, I think you kind of glazed over, or not glazed over, but you didn't say it outright, but kind of thought it, is that the six, the Celtics just looked like they wanted to win. Meanwhile, the Sixers this year are kind of like, yeah, we'll try, but like, I don't know, we're the sixth seed, Simmons is hurt, like maybe it's not, it's and not no, our and year. Simmons, and think about it too, Simmons got hurt um, just like last week or whatever it was, or a week and a half ago, um, even though like, Go, uh, originally he was supposed to miss the playoffs with that back injury, but then the pandemic kind of made it so that he could get healthy. Yeah. Uh, but then they weren't playing great. Uh, they had, I think, I can't remember which game it was. They had, their second game, I think, in the in the bubble was really kind of like, all right, this could really be something special. Um, and then they started playing bad, and then Simmons got hurt, and then it was kind of just like, you know, it was so close to the playoffs, whereas with Kyrie, he had been shut down, I think, like a month before the playoffs or two weeks before. Like it was, and they didn't have Hayward the whole season. So like the whole season's expectations were different. Um, so the Celtics were kind of playing with uh, with house money at that point. Whereas the Sixers, I think, still. I mean, it was like last year with the Celtics. You know, after Game One versus the Bucks, I was like really shocked. I was like, I can't believe they just walloped the Bucks. I thought they were going to get smoked. Uh, but then you saw it with them after you know losing game two, and it's just like it just spiraled from there. They don't have good DNA. The Sixers, the Sixers team, uh, it it does feel a little bit like last year's Celtics team in terms of just like the the vibe around them. Um, whereas that you know hospital Celtics team, you know, always had positive vibes. Even with the players hurt, there was no negativity in the locker room like there is with the Sixers. Right. Yeah, I agree. So I think point. it's a big mentality thing. Uh, you mentioned it earlier. I was going to ask you how they performed with Simmons, but you already told me you thought uh, that there wouldn't have been uh, much of a difference. So let me change up that question a little bit. Uh, do you think the biggest issue in this series is Tobias Harris, or would you put more blame on like Brett Brown and his whole game plan? Um, I think it's Elton Brand's fault for constructing the roster the way it is. But okay. you know, being that be that what it may, um, you know, I think Tobias is. Uh, you know, if you look at the numbers, he you know he's much more efficient when he's when he's not on the court with Joe. Uh, the mm-hmm. you know he's more of a he's like a, a poor man's what Carmelo used to be, uh, like a just a bucket getter, uh, not a like pure three point shooter, but kind of just needs to be the alpha of the offense and just go get buckets. He was never as good as uh, Carmelo was uh, in his prime, but that just like his style of play and that doesn't really fit with the, you know, prime Shaq, you know, Joel Embiid, you know, that's his style where he's just like, give me the ball, I'm going to go score, or we're going to run it through me. Tobias kind of thrived in those bench units, um, either with Ben or with just other bench guys, and not with uh, Joel, uh, where he can kind of uh, monopolize the ball more. And and so that just, it's just not ideal to not, you know, and again, in the playoffs, that was always going to be, be the case. You know, regardless of whether Simmons got hurt or not, Tobias was going to be playing 99% of his minutes with Joel Embiid because Joel Embiid was going to be playing that many minutes. Um, so it just it just kind of a, a crappy situation. But he's also playing bad. Also, the Celtics are defending him really well. I mean, I went, I saw that, you know, on NBA.com, he had, he was, he's three for 10 on layups in this series. And so I was like, I, I am skeptical of that. Like, he, I know he's played bad, but that's egregious. And I looked it up and, a lot of them are like tippins that he missed. Yeah. But yeah. then like I think he got three of them got blocked. So the Celtics are not making it easy for him. And if he doesn't get into a rhythm, you know, he'll keep shooting, but he'll he'll end, he'll keep missing. So, you know, that's the thing about Tobias. He's he's consistently around, you know, eighteen to twenty one points, at least he was for the most of the season. But the field goal percentage was not consistent. You know, sometimes he was taking a lot more shots than he should have to get to those points. So um you know, again, he's a good third or fourth option. You know, he's paid like a number one option, but that was just the market. Um, it's just not a good setup. So I, I like I blame Elton Brand for the whole thing. I'm not going to put it all on Tobias. Um, I just think that the Sixers just aren't as good as the Celtics. It's it's definitely tough, Sam. What do you think about Tobias? Do you like? Do you think it's his contract is bad and he's still a good player? Or do you think it's his fault? Like, what are your thoughts on Tobias Harris? Sam? I mean, I think the contract's really. I don't know how you. Decided to keep him instead of Jimmy Butler. I don't know. I, I don't I don't understand that thought process from Elton Brand. But 
Yeah, I mean, like, he's a solid player, but just not for that much money. It's the same with Al Horford, unfortunately. Like, I still really like Al Horford, but, like, he's making way too much money. Yeah, yeah the sure. Horford one, I think, is much worse than the Tobias one. Like, granted, you're right uh, about about Tobias. That was too much money to give him. Um, but I don't know if it was a choice between Tobias and Butler. Yeah. I think Butler kind of wanted to leave, and there was friction in the locker room that didn't really get publicized, which is surprising. Um, and... I always felt like Butler coming back would have meant they're going to have to trade Simmons because, you know, the, the Sixers with that team last year were much better with, with uh, Butler being the alpha on offense and just playing the two-man game with Joe. And Ben was absolutely worthless in the corner. Uh, unless they're in transition uh, on offense, he's just a non-factor, which is not really great for your max, you know, young superstar player. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, granted, his defense is... Absolutely elite first team all defense, Ben Simmons. But, uh, and that's, I think, really where his injury is impacting the Sixers the most. But, um, the Al Horford one to me, like, when it happened, I kind of like was like, okay, great, you know, sweet. You know, now we don't have to face him. Uh, right. But it, it, it never made sense. It was such a stupid decision. You know, Joel Embiid, uh, in that Toronto series last year was like better than prime Shaq. He was like Bill Ross. He was like the best center that you could, you could name in that Toronto series when he was on the court, they're like plus one Oh seven in the few minutes that he was off the court, they're like minus 90. So they're like, I understand that you need to get a, a backup who can play those few minutes, but you don't give a max contract to that guy. Like that was so stupid. And it was like, there's, you just have to have shooting on that team. And they got less shooting. And they're like, yeah, Al Horford's a good shooter for a big, but that's different than being a good shooter. That's not a J.J. Redick stretch the floor, uh, always be a threat, have gravity uh, type of shooter. Because you could leave Al on the perimeter, and he's if he's only hitting three of ten, you'll take it. Right. Yeah. Another I, thing I don't understand is why they let uh, J.J. walk. He was, great. That was, he was tough. great there. They had to sign – they had to with Al to get the – to get out i mean it, re- it really that makes it even worse doesn't it yeah yeah and i don't know i have to go back and look at all the um the moves that they needed to make but it was pretty much um because of you know to re-sign tobias and to sign out they couldn't bring jj back which pretty crazy because he yeah. i mean he him especially him and john beat they had such a good uh chemistry with the dribble handoffs yeah it, it was it's really good to have like a veteran like jj on the team you know like he's before this year, he made the playoffs every year in his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Horf has actually done the same, but like you know, like he was already there. You already know he fits. Like why, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, but Al also has this menta- this uh, reputation as being some like uh, elite Hall of Fame leader. Uh, and Al is a solid person, a great guy, but he's not the kind of like locker room stabilizer guy. He's just doing his thing. He's not going to ruffle feathers, but he's not going to unruffle them either. Like, that's just not in his character. And because he's just kind of solid and coaches love him and he's really, really smart on the court, people have just labeled him as this, like, great leader. And it's just not his, like, what happened last year then? Yeah, exactly. No one ever talks about that. Like, Al wasn't the problem, but he for sure wasn't anything close to a solution. Uh, So I think a lot of, like, the quotes coming out of Philly when they signed him, like, oh, he needs leadership in the locker room. It'll help, blah, blah. No, it won't. Like that. Like, just do research better. I mean, the Sixers just are terrible at looking into things. Uh, you know, <laughs> drafting Markel Fultz without like doing any sort of like background checks on. Well, you know, there's a chance. I mean, granted, that's such a fluke situation. I can't really kill them too hard for that. But clearly, the Celtics saw something, and you know, I'm sure a lot of it was that they just saw saw some you know pretty outlier potential in this kid, Jason Tatum. But you know, <laughs> I'm sure they also saw some red flags with Fultz and. For some reason, nobody else did. Yeah. Now, uh, I mean, you kind of get to enjoy Jason Tatum, but does it hurt you that like they didn't pick him and they they traded the Celtics like more stuff to not pick him? No, no, absolutely not. Because that was not ne- look. Jason Tatum could never have been on the Sixers. Like that's a that's a myth that we need to uh, bust right now. Because Danny Ainge was always going to draft Jason Tatum. They had the first pick. He would not have traded the first pick if. He thought that there was a single chance that the Sixers would have taken Jason Tatum. Like he just wouldn't have done it. Um, he would have just taken Tatum at one, and that and like that's 
we, we, it's revisionist history. And look, Scal in the broadcast, every game is saying that. And it's so frustrating. It's like, dude, it's just not true. Like, Danny would not have let that happen. And, yeah. and also, you have to go back to that time. It, like, we didn't even know who the Celtics were targeting at three. So it's not like Jason Tatum would ever have crossed the Sixers' mind at one. Like, it just, like, give Danny credit for being, like, so much smarter than everyone else. But um, there's just no world. Like, people have been arguing with me about this on Twitter. Like, well, couldn't, you know, the Sixers have just lied? Couldn't they have said they weren't going to trade him? Like, yes, and I could have become a boxer. And even though I hate <laughs> fighting, I hate violence, I'm bad at fighting, and I have a really breakable nose. Yes, in theory... <laughs> I could have become a boxer, but I was never going to. So the Sixers, mm-hmm. in theory, could have taken Jason Tatum, but it was just never going to happen. So, but uh, so I, I have never, uh, never felt that way about Jason Tatum. I honestly, I just enjoy him on the Celtics because look, um, it's my job to cover this team, and I, I really like when they're good. I root for them. Um, I am emotionally invested in the outcomes of the games. Uh, it's rare that they, you know, I guess it's not as rare now because they. Now it's the second time in three years that they played the Sixers in the playoffs. But again, this doesn't hurt really for me because I, if I, if, if you asked me who I wanted to win, like for me personally, it would be the Celtics because that's better for my like life, for my job, you know, the kid inside me and like the team I'll always like want to win championships is the Sixers. And, you know, Joel Embiid's my favorite player, but you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I'm I'm really loving watching you know Tatum's growth and and Jalen as well. It's just been, you know, it's been a blessing to be able to watch these guys and to to hopefully soon in the next couple of months have Tatum locked up long term like uh, like uh, Jalen as well. Yeah, I think I think Jalen doesn't get enough talk really. I think For he's sure. been the best. Uh, not surprised, but like you know, he's been maybe the most impressive. Yeah, consistent guy throughout this whole bubble, like. Tatum, since, you know, he cut his hair, has been mostly consistent. But, like, Brown is – he's just been so concrete and reliable that, like, it's unreal. And it's inspirational, too. Like, it really is because him finishing so well – like, because remember, he was so bad his rookie year and even his second year at finishing and, and not consistent last year. And just the fact that he went into the summer and really addressed um, his touch and his finishing at the rim – uh, is just such an uh, like it's, it, like you tell your kids stuff like that like look at this kid who was bad at something and just spent his summers working on it and got better like his finishing with his left hand is like it's still like no now to the point it really do, I do expect them to go in but like for the first half or three quarters of the season I was like I'm still waiting for Jalen to come back to earth and start missing these layups that he's always missed but he's just better now he's better and it. It, honestly, as a Sixers fan, it makes me even more pissed off that Ben Simmons is still a terrible free throw shooter and still terrible at shooting in general and won't shoot because I see someone like Jalen Brown who just attacked his flaws and made them strengths. And it's just proof that if you work at something, you can get better. And there's just no excuse not to get better. Not only that, but he, uh, you know, coming into the league, it was known that one of his uh, weaknesses mm-hmm. was shooting, and now it's to the point where he takes a three. I think it's going in every time. Yeah, especially in the corners. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, after the draft, when they picked him, I was listening to—I can't remember—it was a radio interview or a podcast. But Danny was on talking about Jalen, and someone asked him about the shooting, and he says, "Look, we follow these guys from like." when they start to appear on like the national scene, you know, sometimes when they're in like eighth grade, he's like, we were never, we've never been worried about his shooting. He had a bad shooting year in college, but you know, we think that he's, you know, he can be a fine shooter. Uh, now granted, I don't know if that meant they think he's going to be like, a, like clay Thompson lethal yeah. shooter. Like he is sometimes, but uh, you know, that's a credit again to Danny uh, and that front office doing the work and the scouting and also the kid himself. Like, Look at who they pick. You know, they pick the Marcus Smarts. Uh, they pick the Jalen Browns, the Jason Tatums. These guys that just are good, high-quality character guys, and especially someone like Tatum who just he, – he reminds me a little bit of Clay Thompson in the fact that I can't see Tatum just popping bottles out in clubs and stuff. I can see him just wanting to get better at basketball and just <laughs> chill with his son. You know, he just seems like a uh, – 
a very simple, you know, doesn't need like, you know, even he, he's in like commercials and stuff, but like he's, it never comes off as like a uh, star, like diva type guy who's just trying to get famous. He's just trying to get really good at basketball. And uh, I think Jalen's the same way. Yeah, I the mean, funny I, thing, you mentioned the commercials, like, I think of the Rakuten commercial where he's just like yep. shopping and like he's on the computer, like it's the most laid back thing. Like he's not leaving his house; he's literally online shopping. Right, he's not like show like pulling up in like a you know a sick car with shiny rims and you know trying to sell. Like no, he's just drinking. He's at the coffee, coffee shop. In a coffee shop. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, Clay Thompson gets down in China, so you never know what goes on over there. So yeah, <laughs> you never know. Maybe, he's maybe that's not a good example, but uh, <laughs> I just remember, you know, when the Warriors first started winning uh, championships, Mark Jackson was on uh, one of the calls, and he said that, you know, Clay and Steph both just would rather just like they they don't go out and party and stuff. They like just chill at home with their dog or whatever mm-hmm. and uh, play video games. Yeah, and that's it's, what the difference is, is that they they don't care about that other stuff they just care about their craft and just hanging out and i love that mentality because i feel like like you said like most of the celtics roster this year especially is like that they just want to put their head down and get better but uh you mentioned this earlier uh about talking about brett brown and the whole front office of the sixers uh, what goes through your head if brett brown is still the coach next year ah he won't be he can't be uh <laughs> it, it just it's an impossibility um but Look, I honestly look. Brad is Brad. I'm not going to put too much of the blame on him. I think he's outmatched when it's against Brad Stevens because Brad yeah, is, you know, I think a top five coach in the NBA. Uh, and once he gets a title, I think Brad will go up there, um, and Pop will probably be retiring. So I think Brad will be like the best coach in the NBA soon, or at least there's a chance. Um, but I, I think really it's you know they have to change coaches because you know. It, if you're not winning, if you're not uh, reaching your your goals and your expectations, even if it's not really the coach's fault, you kind of just have to. And at this point, when you know your second best player, a, a star signed to a max contract, is like just publicly insubordinate, you know, when Brett Brown says, "I want to see," you know, to the media in front of a microphone on camera where everyone can see it, says, "I want Ben to, to average a three a game," and that's literally the last three he shoots in the season. Uh, or that's the last time he even shoots a three. He just literally zero attempts since then. Uh, that's a problem. That that means that there's a disconnect there. And that the, how how do you think the rest of the players are going to react if, if Ben's just, just publicly humiliating the coach like that? Who's, they suppose they have a great relationship because they knew each other in Australia. But, uh, you know, I think it's time for Brett to go. But my hope is that they get, like, a real GM, a real front office in there. Um, because it's just, like, it's bad in Philly. The roster is really screwed up and it doesn't seem fixable, but look, if Daryl Morey has taught us anything, it's that you can do anything, uh, if you are smart enough. And he's reworked his roster around James Harden several times when we all thought they were stuck. And I think the, they'll eventually pay for that, but they're just trying to win now. And I think that's the mentality that the Sixers need to have. Um, with Joel Embiid, 26 years old, Ben Simmons, 24, uh, you know, you got to build around them. Uh, don't trade them. Uh, maybe eventually it'll turn out that you just can't build a team around those two and you have to trade, uh, one of them. But yeah, I think that it's just way too early to split. I mean, that'll be like a classic, you know, we'll look back on that move and, you know, just pan the organization for years if they do that. But, um, uh-huh. I think that, you know, you got to get somebody that is like one has if they don't have experience then they better have some real good ideas like a like a Hinky type, but not in terms of like building a team (laughs) from scratch. But like Hinky was a Daryl Morey disciple, like a guy that like, look, we need to think of other ways uh, to accomplish our goals. And and look, you know, you could say what you want about tanking, but it worked. It worked for Philly. They got two stars. Uh, we'll never know. I mean, Hinky could have been a terrible GM when it came to trying to build a winning team, but when it came to building a team and just getting an unreal amount of like high value assets and then getting star players in the draft, you know, you cannot argue with uh, the results of that. Uh, so they got to look for someone like that. I don't know if they will, but um, you know, in fact, if I'm being honest, I don't think they will. 
I think they'll fire Brett and be like, that's it. We'll just get Jason Kidd as our coach and everything will be better. <laughs> oh, man. Something I uh, saw listening to. Uh, you want to go? Sorry, Jack. It's funny you mentioned, uh, you know, like Brett Brown saying he wants Simmons to shoot a three game. I don't understand from the Simmons standpoint why that would ever be an issue. Like why you would ever want to yeah. challenge that because he's encouraging you to get better. Like, isn't that what you should want from a coach? Yeah, like, you have the you have a weakness in your fail. game, and he's encouraging you to be comfortable trying to improve it in a game. Right. He's saying he doesn't care if it goes in or not. Um, but it just shows you that there's something like, like a mental flaw in Ben's head. Like he's afraid of missing shots. That, that infuriates me, and I'm not like a Sixers fan, or I don't even like Ben Simmons. But like, yeah. if, if you have somebody that's truly like wanting you to get better, and they do not care, like. You know, they're, they're trying to take the pressure off you and, like, do it the best way. And it's like you said, he's, like, humiliated him public, publicly. Like, how can you do that? Like, that doesn't – that's just a different it's, level. It's – look, he's a weird guy. He's a weird yeah. kid. It's it's just uh, – look, I like him. I, I, I've always felt like he was not uh, long for the, the market, for the franchise. He's always had a flight – risk vibe to him i've always felt like he's gonna try to go to like la or new york or something it just always felt like that because he's the opposite of tatum where he's he's you know posting on instagram his brand new you know ferrari with his matching jordans and um you know dating the jenners and stuff like that uh but you know which is fine i have no problem with that if you're getting better and what he's gotten better at is like some small little things that make him an elite defender. Um, I'm sure he's getting smarter uh, basketball IQ wise, but you know, just from experience, but he's not improved his shooting his free throw shooting too. Like to me, it's like, if you're not going to shoot threes, fine. Like that's stupid. And I hate it, but at least be a better free throw shooter. And that is not impossible. And I'm telling you, it's crazy, but he really does shoot with the wrong hand. And it's, it's such a weird thing. Like if you watch him shoot, his form literally looks like he's right-handed, but just shooting with his left hand. And his he, he there was one game in the seating uh, the seating round where it was like a like a beautiful sequence for Sixers fans. Like Embiid was making awesome plays, blocking shots, and Simmons was out in transition. He was out in transition, and like he normally does, he runs to the basket with a zero plan and just tries to react. Uh, and he's really good. So sometimes, most of the time, it works out, but. He had no one to pass to, so he took the ball from his left hand and made a beautiful fingertip with his right hand. Like, what left-handed person does that? What left-handed right. person in midair takes the ball from his supposed shooting hand to his non-hand while literally directly in front of the basket? So it wasn't like he was to the side and he needed to, and there was nobody around, and just flicks it up gracefully with his offhand. It's in, it's, he's shooting with the wrong hand, and I don't know if you can – at this point, if it's too late to try to fix it, either way, I mean, get with a shooting coach that isn't your brother, because that's what he does. His shooting coach is his brother. Uh, get with someone that will hold you accountable. Um, you know, I'm hesitant to say Drew Hanlon because the Sixers uh, had a bad experience with Markov Fultz, but I think that was probably a Fultz thing because Joel Embiid does Drew Hanlon. Uh, and I know Shemi and uh, obviously Jason Tatum work with Drew Hanlon. So it's like, you know, there's a pretty good track record there with that guy. Get someone like that. And stop posting Instagram videos over the summer uh, or in the off season of you of the select few jumpers that you made in your little scrimmages. Just work, <laughs> just work and get better and be a, become a better free throw shooter. And then your three shot will get better too. He's just a weird dude overall. I think, I don't know. I saw something somewhere um, on a podcast I was listening to called For, uh, through the wire. And one of the guys on there said, uh, Sam Hinkey started the process and trusted the process and Elton Brand came in and rushed the process. He just wanted to get like as much talent around these two guys, Simmons and Embiid as possible, which I agree with, I think is, is good and everything, but he did it at the expense of trading guys like JJ and uh, Covington and Sarich and everybody that uh, Hinky worked to get assets and get. And I think that in the end, like you were saying, Elton Brand, like, the way he constructed this roster really killed any chance they wanted at competing now, at least. So Right, and it I was supposedly 
to make them more formidable like this season. Yeah. Which is crazy because like, well, who is the shooter? You're they're lucky that uh Firkin Korkmaz even came back. I mean, mm-hmm. because they made it so that he could only sign like a, a like a um minimum deal and he's just still did it. Um and but he's just not good enough to play in like I mean, has he played really at all? I mean he's played a little bit, but I haven't noticed him that much on the floor but he's not jj um yeah and you need to pay for guys like that you need to go out and get guys and they're they lucked out that uh that golden state was trying to get under luxury tax and they got alec burks uh with glenn robinson Mm -hmm. uh and i know a lot of celtics fans have been complaining that danny didn't do something like that and it's really frustrating because it's like look they wanted to dump two players without taking any players back and the sixers had to cut two players one of them trey burke is playing great for dallas yeah. right now and actually is a great is a kind of player that the sixers could really use at this point um, so yeah it is ironic there's a cost to everything it's not nba 2k but uh the sixers really screwed up last offseason uh and the season before when they hired out brand instead of a real gm yeah it, it's a rough look all around i think uh, the way it's going but to flip things kind of towards uh the celtics as of now uh, one thing I wanted to touch on was we were talking about it a lot earlier. Jalen Brown playing out of his mind. Also, sorry if I sound like a cartoon character. My nose is the most congested it's ever been. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Brown's been playing super, super well in the bubble. And a guy I had written down, I forget why exactly, but <clears throat> Chris Middleton's been playing awful in the two games against Orlando. And so Middleton was an all-star this season. Jalen Brown wasn't. Do you put those guys on the same level, Max, or do you think Brown still has a little ways to go to be where Chris Middleton is? Uh, no, I would put them on the same level. I think Jalen, um, you know, I think Jalen has much higher potential than than Middleton. I think Middleton yeah. uh, is kind of miscast a little bit as a number two, um, whereas I think that that Jalen's uh, absolutely can fit the role as a number two. Uh, he doesn't create. Um, and Middleton does that better than he does, but, um, but Jalen is just, just does whatever you ask him. He's a perfect player. He's so versatile. He can play where you want him to play. He can play how you want him to play. Uh, he just takes what, what comes to him. He doesn't have to have plays run for him. Um, I think that, you know, Middleton's really good, especially when he's playing the Celtics. Uh, but you know, so I don't want to like knock Middleton. But I think that uh, that Jalen's there. I would put him there right now. I think that Middleton's just. I think Middleton gets a lot more credit because he's on the you know the Bucks. Yeah. He's on one of the best teams in the NBA, and uh, and Jalen is kind of overshadowed by you know Jason Tatum, which is understandable. But I think he's right there. I mean, uh, he's a little bit higher usage uh, away from putting up the same numbers as Middleton. He's not a, uh, as much of a playmaker, but uh, he's not really asked to be anyway. But you know, I think you know, Jalen's ceiling is a lot higher than where Middleton is right now. Mm-hmm. For sure. I, I like Jalen's game. I feel like they're both great defenders. I feel like Middleton gets a lot more credit, like you said, because he is on the number one Z in the East. But uh, I was listening to a bunch of uh, podcasts that I've been listening to recently, and they're all saying, like, Middleton, the way he's playing in the bubble at least, like, I don't know if he can be this number two guy he's hyped up to be. So I tend to agree with you there. Sam, do you have any thoughts on Middleton or Brown or either of them together? Well, you know, earlier I said, I really don't think Jalen gets another, enough credit. And, like, this nails it on the head of uh, what Max was saying. Like, you know, because Middleton's on the box, he gets more recognition. And, of course, Jason Tatum's absolutely balling out of his mind. So Jalen Brown's getting overshadowed. So those are those are two things that definitely make it so Brown doesn't get the recognition he deserves. But, like, I think he should be an all-star next year for sure. And I really think he could have made it this year, but... It's kind of yeah. tough competition. The top four teams in the East all had some pretty good representatives there. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too down on Middleton until they play the Celtics because you know he'll be back. So, yeah, oh yeah, I tweeted out during one of the games. I was like, if Middleton played this, like this against Boston, the Celtics would never lose in the playoffs. It's, I, I don't know where he his head's at against Orlando, especially because it's the Magic. Maybe it's because he thinks they should be winning, but he just, he just couldn't hit the side of a barn if he tried shooting the ball. So. It's funny that you mentioned that the bubble last year. Didn't, I'm sorry, didn't that happen last year in the Toronto series? Didn't he play terrible? I can't remember. Maybe. I have no I idea. Tell you. It would make sense. It's just surprising me because it's against the Magic. Like, I would think all pressure has to be off there. Like, they should be winning that series. Granted, they lost game one for some reason, but 
they bounce back strong in game two. So I don't know what's going through Middleton's head that is just like, yeah, I can't, I just can't make a shot because he was missing them at the end, like garbage time too. Like he couldn't get anything going whatsoever the whole game. So yeah, I don't know what's going good. on with him because they. Yeah, oh him. yeah, he he played really bad. He uh, in the finals last year. 13.7 points per game on 41% shooting. Ooh. He still hit 37 and a half from three. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's not going to cut it. Especially as a number two. Definitely right. not as a number two. So uh, they need him to be that number two guy if they want a chance this year. And the way they played in that first game had me scared for them, uh, especially with Middleton. But moving on to a little bit more about the Celtics, someone I've seen come in the game a lot for Brad, uh, Grant Williams kind of, provides like some sort of energy or spark plug that you, you can just tell the mood of the Celtics goes up. What do you think it is about Grant Williams that like brings that intensity to the floor when the Celtics need it? Oh, he's just like a big, a big Marcus smart. He just yeah. does, you know, all those little things. He, you know, he generally makes the right decision. Uh, he's a really nice, you know, good teammate, great guy. Uh, and he's an elite screen setter. He just is, you know, he erases players, but just standing in front of them. Uh, and I think that, Within time, he's going to be a real uh, a real weapon for the Celtics in their rotation. I think now he still needs to um, improve his perimeter shots, which you know have looked good so far. But I think for once that becomes, and I believe in him. I believe he's the kind of guy, uh, just like we're saying with Jalen and and Jason, where you know he'll put in the work. He'll get better at what he needs to get better at. And I think once he becomes like a real consistent three point shooter it's going to open up his inside game more because he's just too undersized right now. Um, and that's where he lived in college. He was able to just, cause he's so strong, just get by college defenders and, and just bully them. And he can't do that in the NBA. Um, at least not at this point. So I think once he becomes uh, a perimeter shooter, like a real threat, it's going to open up his game and he's going to be even more of an asset to the Celtics. Yeah, the dogs in my dad's house are freaking out right now, so I'm not sure what they're doing. But I love Grant for the reason that you're saying. Sam, what do you think? Um, I I completely agree with the uh, the Marcus Smart comparison. Like he's a big Marcus Smart. That's kind of what I've been going with. And I I mean like that's not like a unique take. Like I'm not trying to say like I invented that, but like it's definitely like probably the best comparison you can get because you know he just he might not show up in the box score, but like, you know, he made an impact like uh, in game one, the tie game in the fourth, he comes in and he gets two big offensive rebounds. I want to say on the same possession. I love Grant. Yeah. He works yeah. hard. He's gotten better at shooting. I mean, he just struggled to start the season, but you know, they're not able to sag off him like they can for Tice, even though they shouldn't sag off Tice either. Tice is no slouch. Um, But yeah, I, I really am. Happy that Grant's on the team. Everyone seems to get along with him, which is great. And I'm happy he's getting minutes because he's definitely a hard worker. Yeah, and I think that's where the the Hayward minutes. Like I thought, Shemi was going to be. Um, I did too. The more more of the the Hayward replacement, but you know, Brad, you know, to his credit, he went with a lot of different guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went Romeo played, you know, 23 minutes, uh, and you know, Wanamaker's minutes went up, and he played great, and then Grant. So I mean, I it didn't help with my uh, my picking Chemiojale in my DraftKings, but uh, <laughs> that's fine. It was only two dollars. Yeah, <laughs> I love Semi or Shemi. I hope he can, you know, get more rotation minutes. I think if he improves his three point shooting even more, it's been steadily improving. But if he can get it going a little more, he'll be a real piece or another weapon for the Celtics to work with. But uh, speaking of weapons, we've seen a little bit of rotation at the center position. Uh, Cantor and Robert Williams specifically, uh, especially in game one, it was very noticeable when Joel left the game, uh, Brad Stevens brought in Williams and then vice versa and the whole rotation. Both of them have been playing solid in the bubble. Uh, obviously, Williams is younger, so for the future, you'd probably look to him. But right now, Max, who are you choosing? Like, Who do you think is playing at a level above the other? Or do you think it's even? Uh, I think Cantor, just because he's he's just a little bit more disciplined on defense. I know that's crazy. Uh, he's not known as a defender, but but uh, Time Lord just his issue is he just he just bites on pump fakes so much, and he's always done that with the Celtics. And uh, and you know that's something that he can learn and get better at. But he, you can't really practice it. It's more of a 
you know, just give him more minutes. And that's the one thing he didn't get this year because of his injuries. But, uh, you know, he really has surprised me. I did not expect him to even play really in the bubble. I thought just, you know, it's a lost season for him. But, you know, the the quarantine helped uh, with him uh, getting healthy. And to Brad's credit, he saw something either in practice or whatever and was just like, look, we got to get him in, uh, you know, some more minutes. And, you know, he didn't play as much last game because I think, you know, the Sixers did a better job of kind of exposing that, getting him in foul trouble a little bit. Um, but he's, look, he's a good passer. Uh, he's an elite chop blocker. Um, and, you know, he was taking, he took a three the other night. <laughs> um, so it really, uh, the sky's the limit for him. And he's he's been, more, what much, I didn't think he'd play a single minute in the playoffs. So the fact that he's played at all is a real surprise to me and a credit to him. And, you know, I think Brad's just going to play matchups, and that's what Brad does. You know, he's he's got this, you know, photographic memory so he can remember all the moments that, you know, guys did well or did bad and, and kind of go with his gut and, and see what, you know, what he thinks will work in that situation that he's in. So, you know, don't be surprised if, if he's – if if Time Lord plays 20 minutes uh, tonight or uh, next game instead of uh, Ennis getting all those minutes. But I would still, if it were me, lean Ennis just because he's just – got a little bit more experience and he's and Ennis is a uh he really impressed me last year with the trailblazers just gutting through that shoulder injury you know while facing free agency uh so I think Ennis is a good teammate and he'll you know he'll work his butt off to do whatever the team asks he just seems like a great dude and didn't he like make a three to start the game the other day yeah. too like what he, what he the kind of kick-started the run the other day like it was shot clock our... one down he was like well shit I guess I'll take it and then <laughs> didn't even hit the rim it was so our John, John Sewer drain of the game in okay. post-game live. Uh, it was Dennis <laughs> Cantor three. So uh, weird. It's crazy. That's his, That was his fourth uh, career playoff three. Oh, my God. Um, and one of uh, my coworkers, Mark, put out a tweet that showed all of the Celtics that now have more made threes in the playoffs than Ben Simmons. <laughs> and Dennis Cantor's on it. Oh, my uh, God. Shemmy, everyone you can think of. That's crazy. That's just... It just speaks volumes, I guess. We don't have to talk about Ben Simmons anymore. I think we've ragged on him enough, but <laughs> it, it, it does speak volumes as to what he's willing to do for the team. And I, I agree with uh, Cantor on the Blazers last year, him playing through that injury and him just – he just looked like a workhorse every game, especially with Nurkic out. It was it was great. It was great to see, and I'm glad he's a Celtic now. But looking forward a little bit, obviously Gordon Hayward went down with a grade three ankle sprain, which is devastating. Uh, for the Celtics team. Do you think that's going to impact the Celtics' chance against Toronto? Or obviously it will impact it a lot. But do you think the Celtics should be able to get by Toronto still, Max? Um, I do, but it's going to be much harder. I mean, the Celtics have played really well against the Raptors this season in every game except the one after the Christmas Day game, where it was kind of like the Raptors getting revenge for the Celtics embarrassing them on Christmas on their home court. Um, But... Uh, otherwise, they've been just great. You know, Jalen has played his best basketball versus the Raptors this year. Uh, there's just something about that matchup that the Celtics, um, you know, can take advantage of. And, you know, Gordon also has good numbers versus uh, Toronto, so maybe he was the key and, and that, you know, they're in a lot of trouble. But um, I think that it's going to be a great series, and I don't think that. Hayward being out means that the Celtics can't beat the the Raptors. I still think that they should um, be able to because they do a good job on Siakam, um, which is key. And, you know, and they just have weapons. Celtics, you can't really, like, you know, look at the Sixers trying to take Tatum out, which is hilarious because he scored 30-plus in both games. But, uh, yeah. you know, they're clearly trying to make it, you know, hard for Tatum. And but this, the Celtics just can come. We haven't even mentioned the, the name Kemba Walker. You know, who, <laughs> who was supposed to be their best player this season. And now you could argue that he's their third. But uh, And and Kemba's great. Scored 22 points last game. Uh, Cardiac no Kemba one talks about it either. Right. And he, you know, Which is fine. No one talk about it. He'll surprise whoever they play. Exactly. So you know what? Um, I still think the Celtics uh, should be favored in that series if that's what ends up happening, which it will. I'm excited to watch it. Sam, what do you think about uh, Boston versus Toronto? I mean... I mean, you could say this about the Sixers as well, vice versa, though. Uh, you know, the Celtics really played well against Toronto in the regular season. 3-1. They only lost one game at the Garden. 
mean, there's definitely some some things to be excited about. I mean, they, they have played well against Toronto, like you say, Max. We saw it in the bubble. So you have recent uh recent data, I guess. You know, you have something to go off of. And it's it's just exciting because they have this uh Raptors are the only team the Celtics haven't played ever in the playoffs in the East. And we could see a really good series between the two. I do think the Celtics should win. But that's I, I'll tell you they're gonna beat any team, to be honest. So a little, little bit of bias, you know, yeah. always, always going to have some bias there. But. I might be the most biased person. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to ask you, Max, before Sam gets into his uh, end of the show questions, he is always asking, but uh, who were your picks to come out of each conference or even in the conference finals at the, like, before the season even started, like I'm talking way back in October versus right now we've had, uh, obviously the season shut down now we're in the bubble. Like what, what's the difference, the huge difference between your beginning of the season picks and right now well i don't know if i officially made any picks but i for sure thought the sixers um as did I. Chance. yeah i was i was you know i was drinking the kool-aid um and i was incredibly wrong but you know it was one of those things like hey if this works they're gonna be on b i just thought their defense was gonna be like when people were talking about them possibly having you know the best defense in the nba this season i remember just thinking you're not giving them enough credit i think they could have one of the best defenses ever um, with the lineups uh, that they can throw out there. Uh, and it just, you know, it just, you know, they were good, but they they just weren't as good as I thought they were going to be. So that's where I was wrong about the East. Um, and, you know, we, you know, I was kind of just like, whatever with the Celtics. It was like, I think, you know, I don't think they have a chance to make the finals, but I think that they can make the conference finals, um, you know, with this roster because of, you know, Jalen and, and Tatum and you're getting Kemba to replace, you know, that, the, that name we will not name, uh, other point guard that used to be here. Um, I thought you were going to call him a prick, like outright. <laughs> I thought you were going to be like that prick, Kyrie. <laughs> that uh, human being who I do not uh, enjoy thinking about or seeing or hearing, especially hearing. Um, a genius. He but, is, right, yeah. Oh, my goodness. An actual genius when uh, it comes to this game. But, uh, you know, but, and then in the, in the West, it was kind of, you know, I was really liking uh, the Clippers – and just with getting uh, Paul George and Kawhi uh, to add to that team that already had some plucky players um, and Doc. And I was not sold on the Lakers just because, you know, I just thought they were too thin. Um, but, you know, who's, who knows? I think that the Rockets have played a lot better than I thought that they would. Um, you know, Denver I don't believe in really because uh, I just don't think Jamal Murray's good enough, uh, although he played great uh I can't remember if it was the playoffs or one of their bubble games. I think it was the pl- the first playoff game. Yeah, Utah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he played really well. Um, I don't believe in Utah at all. Um, yeah. But, you know, because just Rudy Gobert is just something soft about him. Yeah. And he's not really playable towards the end of playoff games. But, um, you know, that's basically where I stand on, uh, on the West. I, you know, I don't know I, if the Clippers are the team now, but, you know, we'll see. Sam, what, uh, any big differences between your picks or thoughts at the beginning of the season until now, aside from the Sixers, which is I think is everybody's big. I, I was really sold on the Sixers, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really thought Al Horford was going to be good there because I was like, well, you know, like he really plays the best at the four. He can play the four with Embiid, like that kind of thing. Yeah, but obviously it didn't work out. Um, the Celtics are definitely better than I thought they were going to be. Um, For sure. But that's definitely a tribute to Tatum and Brown, like becoming. Well, Tatum for sure, Brown arguably better than Kemba. And that was the take early on, is if Tatum becomes the best player on the team, which he has, Celtics are scary, and they certainly are. So there's that. And I still really like the Clippers. I just think they're really well-equipped to take on the Lakers. And um, my bias also wants to speak the Lakers not being good into existence. So there's that. 100%. 100%. Screw the Lakers. Uh, but yeah, I, I would have to agree. I think I I was really scared of the Sixers, especially that like death lineup they put out that was super long, super tall, uh, all that. I think I, I, a lot of us thought it would be a big problem, especially for the Celtics. So uh, not only that, but I I always well Max, you touched on this. You know, the Sixers were excited. Oh, we don't have to face Al Horford anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. I always thought really... Al Horford was the key to beating the Sixers, and he was gone. And I was like, well, now they don't have him, so kind of sucks. 
Yeah, you just don't foul and beat. That's that's what Al was really good at. <laughs> oh man. Uh but yeah, Sam, do you want to get into your end of show questions? Maybe you could gear them more towards Sixers sure. or whatever yeah. you want to do. I'll let it, I'll let it Okay, Max. So usually towards the end of our shows I um will ask our guests about different um things they have. So do you have a favorite piece of Celtics or Sixers memorabilia? Like a jersey, autograph, uh picture, whatever that you have and why what's the story behind it um you know i have uh, a couple iverson jerseys that i love because it's why you know i fell in love with the game of basketball with alan iverson um you know he's the reason he is the answer to why i love basketball uh to be clever um but as far as uh celtics stuff i have a, a tommy Heinsohn bobblehead that i love uh a couple celtics hats actually and i just got myself a custom made I made it myself, uh, Time Lord poster. I I stole the idea from a uh, Sean Kemp poster from the 90s and uh, just made it myself and got it printed, which was a pain because Staples won't do it because it's illegal because they're, they're making money off it. So I had to uh, go through some hoops so I can't sell it uh, or anything like that. But uh, it's a nice little addition to Studio B, and B stands for basement. <laughs> That's awesome. So, I mean, you don't really – you don't get to go to the garden. You're usually in the studio, if I'm not mistaken. So do you have a favorite game that you've been a part of covering uh, or anything like that? Or if you have been in the garden for anything crazy, what's your favorite memory there? Uh, no. So I, uh, I'm, you're right. I'm usually in the studio. Um, I, I was actually at the garden uh, in the truck for not this season, the season before the overtime win versus Kawhi and the Raptors. Uh, I think it was in November. That was a good game. That was uh, the Kyrie game where you made the shot from the parking lot. Yeah, it was a great game to be there for. And I was actually in Philly for uh, – I was working for the um, the game that the Celtics won last season as well in Philly where Hayward had 30. Oh, he was um, unreal, yeah. Yeah, and just driving back up uh, to Boston, uh, listening to Philly talk radio was – was just man i i i missed those days of just brooding in our own doom on talk radio uh and <laughs> um and but my favorite game to cover uh, easy as soon as you had asked the question i knew right off the top of my head uh the the december 30th uh miami heat game three seasons ago or was it four seasons ago with uh, uh isaiah thomas 50 points yeah the when he hit that shot to give him 50 from the parking lot uh it's the first time I like made a noise in the control room of like a just I couldn't control my body. I was like, "Whoa!" We all did, and it was incredible. Uh, I that run by Isaiah Thomas was magical, and that is what encapsulated it to me. Because even how, as great as he wasn't, as like just the tragic hero in the playoffs, there was the tragedy that made it a little bit sadder. This was before that. This was kind of just when he was really he was on that that. 20 point streak where he set the, set the Celtics new record of consecutive games with 20 points. He had just complained to Brad about not playing in the fourth quarter against the Warriors in, in early November. And, and he became the King of the fourth. And it was just a, a fun, it encapsulated that season for me. So that was my favorite game to be a part of. Yeah. I, I still remember where I was for that game. Cause well, it's not hard. Cause I usually watch from home and I wasn't home that day. So it was like an outlier. And uh, so, yeah, it's one of my favorite memories, actually, is the and then you have the the Mike Gorman got it. And then Tommy loses his mind. Oh, oh, yeah. So that's that's a great call. And uh, so so one more thing I want to ask, because I kind of talked to you about this when the call dropped was uh, so you you uh, are producing the game today. Can you let the listeners know what your uh, what you what you're going to have to do today after you leave our show and what the process of getting set up is. So I, I work on the, uh, the pre and post game show and the halftime show. Um, I'm not a part of the game broadcast. I sometimes do uh, filling in the truck and stuff like that. Uh, but our whole Celtics group is one like family uh, with the okay. game broadcast and stuff, but I'm mostly studio uh, pre and post game shows and all of our like trade deadline stuff. But uh, so what I'll do is I'll get on uh, a call with, um, the producer and our other assistant producer and uh, we'll start, you know, planning out the show. Uh, we have five block shows and we'll start, you know, we have, we have a bunch of sponsored elements that we have to kind of, you know, figure out what we're going to do for each things. Like we do a, um, like a, 
um, Telestrator type thing that's sponsored by um, Arbella, and we need to uh, figure out what plays we're going to do for that. So I I take ownership of that, and I help uh, our editor, and and I talk to Scal about what kind of plays he wants to uh, go over. Um, and then I, I'm really the guy that's doing the gambling stuff. Now we have a new initiative to do our storyline segments. And I do, you know, I basically segment produce. I do like little pieces of the show. Uh, and my boss is the one who puts it all, you know, in, into one big show. Um, so that's what I basically do for pregame. I do the fantasy stuff and the, and the betting and then, uh, picking plays, uh, and just contributing to the, you know, the ideation, which is a buzzword that uh, people use now, but we, we're coming up with ideas for the show. Um, and then I you help build the stuff, the graphics and things like that. And then uh, in the post-game show, uh, you know, again, I'm all remote. This is all done from my basement. Yeah, it's uh, the craziest part. It is a really cool setup. Um, I'm actually really impressed at how they were able to pretty easily, all I had to do was get a, um, a company iPad that that way I can talk to the people that are in the control room. Um, just like I would have my headset on there. Uh, and we have this little, little zoom, uh, that we, we do for, so I can see the controller monitors. Cause that's a huge for post game to be able to see, uh, what the, when the players start talking in their post game, uh, press conferences. And then I clip that off and play it. I'm actually the one, uh, who, or I put it in the, in the spot where, um, the director can push a button to, to play it. So I get that stuff ready. And then I put the name keys, uh, or the name, like, graphics they're called lower thirds um and i know a lot of times you know sometimes not a lot of times uh we'll put some funny ones on there and people uh will clip them off and tweet them out and that's fun that's uh one of my favorite parts of the job um and then i you know fill out the scoreboard and stuff like that and because post game kind of like produces itself but really you know we still make choices in terms of timing and what we want to talk about but like the game decides a lot of that stuff exactly it's a lot of just like the you know and communication with uh, with Abby if she's um, asking questions for some of the players and stuff like that, and then uh, and making sure that we're not missing anything. Like I had to listen to Embiid the other night; uh, he talked for eight minutes, and it was it's difficult when you're trying <laughs> to listen to that, and you're also being asked questions in uh, this other ear, and you're also trying to pay attention, make sure that you know you got all your you know there's no typos on any of the stuff you put on uh, TV. So, but it, you know it's it's fun and your heart's racing the whole time. It's adrenaline and it's, you know, it's great. And it's crazy that I can do it from home. It really, I still can't believe it. And uh, I, I have to ask this. And if you can't talk about it, it's completely okay. But the whole Abby situation is kind of baffling to me because, um, you know, as a fan and, you know, I always watch the NBC broadcast if I can, if the game's on there, because I love Mike and Tommy. I think you guys do a great job with pre and post game, of course. Uh, so, Abby is supposed to be not back next season. And I, I don't really understand why. Like I do, like I know what's happening, but like one, if you can, like how do you feel about that? And two, do you know, like if they have heard the cry to save Abby's job or not? So I, I can't really, um, you know, talk about that. It's company That's stuff. That's fine. Um, yeah, but, I understand. But what I will say is that I love Abby. Abby's one of my best friends. As do uh, we. And she, you know, we came up together. I got promoted to AP when she got hired. And so we were both on the low uh, low end of the totem pole and got some of the worst shifts. But we worked them together. Um, and she uh, is just such such a professional and uh, anytime anyone wants to ask me about Abby, I'll say that, you know, she's so good at her job and, uh, I really do love her. She's a great friend. And, uh, you know, that's pretty much all I can say. Yeah, that's fair. I, I know the company, everything. I didn't want to have you say anything, but I was just curious. Um, but yeah, Jack, you can start the outro and I will finish yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, Max, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I'm sorry. I was such a mess today. Uh, for those of you guys listening, my call dropped and then my microphone cut out. So if you hear me coughing and sniffling, I very much apologize. That was a little bit of a mess. But... Jack's a warrior. <laughs> He's oh yeah broadcasting through coronavirus. Yeah, uh, but yeah, you better be wearing a mask and socially distancing. <laughs> yeah, totally. From my remote location where no one else is around, of course. But seriously, though, Max, we really do appreciate you coming on the show to talk about the series and everything. So uh, is there anything you want to say before we cut this off? Tell people where to follow you on Twitter, all stuff like that. Yeah, find me at uh, Max underscore Letterman, L-E-D-E-R-M-A-N. Um, and, you know, 
watch NBC Sports Boston whenever you get a chance. You know, we're the locals. We got the insight. Uh, you know, if if it's a simulcast of the national network, you don't want the national perspective. That's right. The locals. I, I never watch on the – Yeah, I really hate ESPN broadcasts or TNT compared to NBC. I wish you guys could do it for the whole playoffs. I really do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. My, uh, my brother put on the ESPN by accident, and I yelled at him. But I always got to watch NBC. I always got to listen to the right guys talk. But, yeah, you guys can follow me on Twitter at PanterTownJack. Make sure to give Max a follow, and I'll throw it over to Sam for the rest of the outro. Okay. Um, game is at 6.30 today. Uh, Celtics will be looking to go up 3-0. Max, thank you very much for coming on again. It was a great show. We had a good time. Um, if the, well, when this series is eventually over, we w- I will be putting out a uh, Weird Celtics recap. It is going to be something special. I'm already working on it. Be on the lookout for that. Max, I'll make sure you get to see that as uh, part of Weird Celtics Twitter. And, uh, yep, you can follow me at Sam LaFran- at Bannertown Sam. I'm sorry. And uh, follow the podcast underscore from the rafters. Uh, That's a show. Bye.